As runners, we all challenge ourselves in ways we never thought possible, pushing the boundaries of what we're capable of to smash through targets and set ourselves new bigger and better ones. This awesome hobby that we share gives us one thing in common and it brings us together as a community. Whether you're working towards completing your first park run or you're a veteran of the sport who's run 100 ultra marathons, we all know the feeling of reaching that maxed out effort and our own red line. Welcome to our podcast where your hosts Brett Ellsmore and Andy Maguire discuss the struggles, the successes and everything in between on our running journeys as we all work towards the next time we're running the red line. So, welcome everybody to episode two of Running the Red Line. Um, we've made it to episode two. Um, we are here. Uh, I am Brett, and to the side of me over here is Andy. How you Hello. doing, mate? Good. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's Friday night and feeling all right. Um, <laughs> is that, isn't that a uh, S Club 7 song? Quite Looking kind of good, yeah. feeling all right, yeah. yeah. Quite, quite possibly. possibly. Well, you yeah, are yeah. a man of nineties uh, bands. Uh, Just saying, nineties were... pop culture is my would be my mastermind chosen subject. Yeah. Ask uh, me well... anything about the Venga Boys. <laughs> <laughs> when is the Venga Bus coming? Oh yeah, it's absolutely. It is. I'm still waiting to get on that thing. I've absolutely loved the Venga Boys <laughs> for a long time. Amazing. Um, so, how how's your evening been so far? Sorry, I am a bit late to the recording. We should have started recording what 50 minutes ago, but yeah, I had to. Uh... That's such is life on a Friday. It's uh, it yeah, we're, like we said like last week. We're we've both got lives. We both got jobs, so we can't really you know expect you know, to everything to go swimmingly every week. So, but no, no, I'm not going to, let's face it. I'm, I'm, I'm 38. I ain't really doing much on a Friday night these days. Well, so. no, never, never am I. Yeah. I, I had to pop, pop out and get a few things from uh, Tesco's because um, I had a shocker of a morning this morning. Um, I went to uh, make my morning coffee, put my portafilter into my grinder and halfway through the grind, ran out of beans, and I thought I had Ooh. another bag of beans in the cupboard, and of course I didn't. So I thought, it's oh, all right, I'll just go with a single shot of coffee rather than a double this morning. Then uh, went to the fridge and only had half the amount of milk I would oh. use for a coffee. <laughs> um, and then made my porridge for my breakfast, um, and I'd run out of um, blueberries and fruit and stuff and bananas, so I thought, I'll check in the cupboard for the emergency tinned fruit and found a tin of uh, mango pulp. And I thought, oh, that'll be all right. Uh, ch chunks of mango in some stuff. Opened up the tin and it was basically mango juice. So I had uh... a really weak half a cup of coffee and mango juice on porridge for my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed to yeah, go and get a few sounds... things. Yeah. That sounds miserable. It's like a survival story or something. That sounds like post-apocalyptic kind of Walking Dead scenario. 
So um, yeah, but I was uh, I worked today and I got offered. So I was at work and every because I for my job I have to go around to people's houses, and because we're British, the the first question anybody asks me is, "Do you want a cup of tea or do you want a drink?" And I've I've got to the point in life where I have a quick scan when they say, "Do you want a cup of coffee?" Because I'm not a tea drinker. I'm quite partial to a fruit tea. Don't get me wrong. Don't mind a peppermint tea. But if they offer me a coffee, I'm saying yes. But I have to take a quick scan around the kitchen because if I see the Kenko or the Nescafe <laughs> Gold Blend, it's just a tap water for me, please. Because if you get given, because I drink my coffee black. If I get, if I drink, have you ever drunk instant coffee, just a black instant coffee? It's, it's the worst it, thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's not it's not it's not for me anymore. Well, so especially, luckily, especially that that instant coffee. There is instant coffee that's passable, but um, yeah, I wouldn't choose instant coffee if I had a you, choice. You you just know as well that the reason that they're instant coffee drinkers, and I don't want to sound like a dick, but I've 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 gone there, so I'm going to carry on. Is probably because they're not coffeeing in anardos, are they? They're not like. <laughs> They're not coffee. Yeah, they don't addicts. enjoy a cup of coffee. They're drinking it so for, that, yeah. Yeah, so that Kenko was probably bought in 2014, and it's it's for the it's for their sister or their nephew or whatever who comes over once a month. And, yeah, anyway, the, the lady said, do you want a coffee? And I saw the DeLonghi in the corner. I was like, yes. She made me a double espresso, and I was Amazing. just buzzing. And I was That's like, exactly yes. what you want, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, that was and as well, you're like this. I uh, I went out for a, a run this morning at the hills and got ready to go to work because me and Laura stayed at her mom's and I realized I forgot my shoes to go to work, so I had to wear my trail shoes to work. <laughs> and I was really hoping that someone would ask me about my shoes, but they didn't because I thought I could try and that might try, be a good segue for me to tell you the, the podcast, try yeah, squeezing the ultra chat again, yeah. Yeah, I was going to try and tell some like, yeah, some a random couple uh, that uh, oh yeah, I do. I've, I've done, I'm training for an ultra at the moment. I've done a couple of ultras, you know. To be honest, you ever heard of the Worcestershire way? But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that was quite humorous, and I did. Uh, and as well, one final anecdote from twelve hours ago. I slept like I, I was rolling back the years today, like I was in year six. I slept in my kit last night <laughs> <laughs> because Laura's mom's, uh, the bedroom that we sleep in, it's so cold in the morning. I knew that if I was cold in the morning, I'd just turn over the other way and I wouldn't get out of bed. So I had to sleep in my in my um, uh, thermals, my, my base layers, because I thought I've, that's my one chance to get out of bed. Were, were you not boiling in the night? No, really nice. If anything, it's a bit chilly, so uh, I'm glad I did. Nah. It's quite a, it's quite a cool little room. So um, it wasn't it, the most comfortable sleep I've ever had, but needs must, and I needed yeah, yeah. to. Uh, you, exactly. You've got to get the job done, no matter at all costs. It's so cold at the there. moment. It's cold at the moment, though. The weather is like the temperatures properly dropped over the last couple of days. I think it was minus six this morning yeah. or last night um I, yeah. I, I was working from home this morning but i needed to get up to my shop to uh use some of the tools and stuff and when i got up there inside my shop it was zero degrees 
So wow. I was fully still in my coat and everything God, whilst it heated up in the space. But yeah, <laughs> but mental. And, and we're choosing to go out and run in this. I know. But I tell you what, though, this morning, so me, Laura did her own uh, separate run. But uh, we we had like a custody battle of Daisy this morning because whoever basically wins gets Daisy, and I was like, I'm not, I'm having Daisy today. Uh, we're, we're not divorced or anything. We just really <laughs> like running with our dog, and um, and because uh, basically we both wanted to like, I think what it was, we both wanted to get those Instagram bangers. So because we we we, uh, yes. we got up on the top of the hills for our runs at sunrise and this morning the Malvins looked just incredible. So, um, yeah, Daisy Paul be around for five or six K today. And, uh, yeah, crazy. It, honestly, it was like being on oblivion running down black Hill this morning because what she does, Daisy's only 10 kilos. She's, she's basically like a glorified, I don't know, rugby ball. You know, she's not that heavy, but when she's like a bullet down black Hill and pinnacle Hill, she that 10k with gravity becomes like 100k and I don't know about you but whenever I'm running early in the morning with cold weather like my eyes start like watering and I'm just running like basically like trying not to fall over and uh manage to stay on two feet so um I think that was a success today yeah yeah it was really good um, how has training been going this week any um highlights from your week of training well, I moved my Sunday long run to Thursday because I'm not I'm not doing it Sunday anymore, and which was yesterday. Went up the canal and I did yeah I did a really nice easy steady run. So it's the longest I've run on the block so far. So I've extended it to yeah I was at 20k last week. This week's 23, and yeah it went really well. It was really nice. I did um, basically a 10k warm up and then I did 6k, which is what's that four mile of uh, of steady pace, which is in between my, my easy and marathon goal marathon pace, which went really well. And one thing I noticed, Matt, you might know, you might know this, um, having run for many more years than me, but I got to the end of my run and I don't wear a heart rate monitor or a, a, a strap or anything like that for numerous reasons that I probably won't go into. But my watch, which is consistently inconsistent, so it might be miles off, but at least it says the same thing every week. It said... I was at like 170. I was at basically threshold at the end of my easy. And I wondered if that was because it was so cold. I wondered if my heart was compensating for nah, how cold it was. I'd say it was possibly the cold making your heart rate monitor on your watch not work properly on your cold skin. That's what uh, I'd yeah. say was more of a um, really? thing than, yeah, no way is your heart going to be at 170 when you're yeah. running easy yes yeah you hopefully run a not anyway. decent distance but well my watch is terrible with heart rate either says I, my heart rate's at 210 beats per minute or i'm dead so yeah <laughs> yeah you're gonna take it with a pinch of salt haven't you it, yeah de definitely R wrist based heart rate is never accurate and that's one of the reasons i never run to heart rate i've only ever yeah. run to paces rather than zones i've never yeah. tried to work out what my heart rate zones are because i know i'm never going to use it that's that's interesting because that's what i'm going to try and do this this block because i think previously i've obsessed a little bit about heart rate data 
I, I mentioned and... this to you halfway through the uh, Worcester half. I mentioned this to you as well. You you were obsessing over heart rate during that race. I was, yeah, and uh, yeah. I think since that day, I've uh, I've, I've realised well, not realised, but started to worry less about what that little reading says. Um, a a because it might not be very trustworthy, and b because it can spoil a good run or it can spoil a good effort or it can, yeah. you know, your, your, your brain takes over, doesn't it? Yeah. And, um, and the worst time to look at heart rate is during a race. It's yeah. never going to be where you want it to be. Number one, yeah. especially, especially if you're going for a PB, it's going to be at a place you've never been before because you're pushing your body to a point you've never pushed it to. And yeah. the, the adrenaline is going to be, pumping massively and that's going to be affecting your uh, heart rate and yeah, yeah I, I'd never look at heart rate during a race I, I, so I think here, I'd terrify myself if I did here's here's the thing then how if you don't run to heart rate and you've run for so many years how do you calculate what is an easy run to you is it quite simply just I can hold it, a conversation yeah right if, if it feels easy it must be easy Fair enough. Um, that that's basically how how I run. Um, yeah, I mean, when it gets up to doing a more steady pace or doing a tempo or doing efforts and things like that, I have a specific pace I want to run to. But when it's easy, it's just does it feel easy? And okay, if it so feels easy. My breathing isn't really heavy. I could very easily close my mouth and just breathe out my nose and mm. I wouldn't be struggling for breath, then it must be an easy run. So what about when you're attacking hills or you're, you know, you're running down a nice steep downhill and you've got, and you're in an easy block. Are you yeah. still following that mantra? Are you still just thinking if this is easy, then it must be easy. So slow down if I'm feeling um, like it's yeah, too hard. I, 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 I guess so. Um, yeah, I to be honest, the only time I look at pace during a really easy run is when the watch beeps that you've done a mile and tells you what pace you've done in that mile. It's like um, yeah. my Sunday run on Sunday just gone. Um, so I did I did a little bit longer than I should have. I wanted to do 13 mile, end up doing 14 and a half. And I wanted to do it easy because I'd done the yeah. cross country on the um, day before and pushed it quite hard in that. Um, so I wanted to the Sunday to be easy, but I ended up going a little bit faster because it felt okay. I didn't feel yeah. like I was pushing and I ended yeah. up running fast, a faster pace, which was more like steady pace than mm. running easy. But I didn't really mind because it didn't feel like too much effort. So I wasn't trying yeah. to run faster. It, I just ended up running faster. So yeah. as long as it feels like that, I don't really worry too much. The only time I make sure I run easier and make sure I check myself is when I'm doing recovery runs because that is right. supposed to be recovery pace. But if it's an easy run, if it feels easy, great. It's an easy run. So another putting you on the spot now, but another question how do you determine your easy pace and your recovery pace? What's the difference between the two? 
Ooh, good question. As I say, e- easy to me just feels easy, and it's anywhere between eight and eight and a half minute miles. So as long as I'm somewhere in that range, it must be an easy run. Uh, recovery. <sighs> normally try and keep it around at eight and a half so it's at that lower end of easy but sometimes it creeps up again uh because recovery runs are basically an easy run aren't they um whereas if i go out to do a run and i say i'm going to do an easy run it's not recovery Mm -hmm. so it can speed up and that's not a problem but if it is recovery i'm not going over that eight minute mile mark i will make sure if it starts to creep I'll pull it back. I've got another question, sir. Um, <laughs> Putting your hand <laughs> up. That's brilliant. Yeah. So I do forget sometimes we actually are on the radio here, on podcast. I'll just put my hand up to ask a question. Um, why should you be doing then? This is going to sound like a silly question. Should you be doing recovery runs if you've got nothing to recover from? So Ooh, if, that's, a, that's a good question. So if you've, if you've had an easy week, you know, maybe it's your first week of the block. Yeah. And you've on your training plan that you've either, you know, bought or, um, you know, someone's written for you or whatever. If it says recovery run Monday and you think, well, I could probably do a bit quicker today. Should you stick to the plan or should you, if your body feels like you could probably go a bit quicker, is it, what I'm saying is, is recovery good for your aerobic base or is it just good for your heart, soul and mind? I think it's good for your body, basically. Yeah. Because even if you've had an easy week, as I said, with my easy, it might creep up a little bit more. So even if I've had an easy week, I've still put that mileage into my legs. So I know that recovery pace will uh, loosen up my legs and loosen up all of the muscles and everything um, better than not running at all. So yeah. I'm going to get that those miles in. I'm going to get that movement into my body, whether I've put effort and pace in or whether I've just done the mileage anyway. Yeah. Well, I've got to sense. a point. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I've got to a point now um, where I've done, I think this is my fifth dedicated sort of training block, I think, of so like, basically my fifth goal race. And... Um, I've got to a point now where I and Saturdays and Sundays seem to be have been the same now for a long time. I need I, I seem to do, you know, I don't really call it a session, but let's say a park run, like a hard park run on a Saturday. Sunday will be a nice long run. I normally always choose to do my long run on a Sunday. A lot of people will do the long run on a Saturday after a park run, won't they? And give themselves yeah. Sunday off. I like to run Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday for me is almost always recovery. And my, I don't know what it is. It's just my body doesn't know it's Monday, but it seems to think that it does because it seems to just crave that easy recovery start to the week. And I tell you, I normally feel a bit creaky going into that run, um, having done, I don't know, maybe up to 20 mile that weekend or maybe more, 25 miles sometimes. But when I finish that recovery run, I just feel brilliant. It's like, I don't know, it's like the moving version of like yoga, isn't it? It's It really does yep. get the blood flowing and it makes you feel better. And, and just moving 100%. at that snail pace, whatever that pace is, 
is just it just feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Get yeah, getting the blood flowing around the legs is going to start that muscle recovery. So yeah. if moving around is doing that, then it's a positive thing to do. You've just got to be sensible and not be like me. Uh, I got into a habit where my recovery days ended up being just as many miles as my Sunday long run days. And yeah, really, I, that that that's one of the reasons I got injured this time. I think because obviously I did the cross country on the saturday pushed it really hard went and did uh alton towers half which was really hilly and pushed that really hard mm. um and then i should have probably done i don't know maybe 5k the next day as a recovery and properly had a rest on the monday but instead i ran 12 mile really so yeah. what were you without saying this without sounding like your dad what were you thinking? What, what, like, why did you do that? Do you remember why you did it? I, I was in a habit of my weekly training was this yeah. many miles. And on a Monday, I ran up to my shop, worked for the day and ran home from my shop. But yeah. um, I'd got into the habit of the run up to the shop. I'd started extending a little bit and I just took my usual route and extended the first yeah. little bit. And then when I ran home, it, ended up being 12 mile and then the next yeah. day I should have again probably taken it really easy I decided to run easy but went to training session and then that's when the injury started to happen because my hip just started to seize up whilst I was running um, yeah. and I think it's because I didn't rest properly after a really hard weekend so so did yes, you feel Sorry, did you recovery feel runs are brilliant, but if you take them properly and don't yeah. stupid mileage. So did you feel normal after that, you know, that Alton Towers run? Like, did you think something's wrong here or did you not even, or are you saying that it wasn't the run that injured you? It was obviously the, the day after run that injured you. Like the damage um, wasn't done by Alton Towers. I don't think the, I don't think the damage was done by Arton Towers, but I don't think it helped things because yeah. it was such a big effort that I put in the day after a big effort. Um, but what's, what's mad about my injury is my calves were like really sore for the couple of weeks running up mm. to the Arton Towers half. Um, and during the race, it was my calves that I was like, man, these feel like, like trash. Um, and after the race, it was like, man, my calves are in bits and it was my hip and my glute. That was my eventual injury and my calves didn't actually end up being anything bad. So really? it's for, sure. we should probably say, shouldn't we, for, for sort of context, for anyone that doesn't know what we're on about, the Alton Towers half marathon is a, a run through event and it's obviously around the theme park, but it's really quite a challenging two lapper isn't it for yes. many reasons yeah proper and, undulating and then you've obviously got the added the added you know problems that you had with traffic as well and i'm not talking about automobiles i'm on about people that came for the free roller coasters <laughs> thought yes i'll do i'll do a 5k yeah, in my jeans in my jeans and 
shoes and, and then, your backpack on. And then all of us half marathoners got to wade through them. And um, that that was tricky, wasn't it? Because you, do you know that's one when I did Manchester last year, I um, I got cramp because I had to do like a dead stop because someone stopped in front of me, and you know when you're moving at not speed because I don't really know what it feels like to run at speed compared to you, but like when you're moving fast and you have to stop, you know, quickly, that can really really you can get really injured that way can't you and that's yeah, when i time. first experienced my first ever cramp that was under uh, yeah 20 mile 22 mile i think or i think it was around sale in manchester and um i just remember that hamstring that feeling of uh see, of cramp and it was it is dreadful it, i wouldn't see, i it was horrible. when you mentioned this before i find that crazy the first time you ever experienced cramp with how how many marathons in was that Manchester? What was that number three? Yeah, my third. So, so before that, I'd done two Brighton marathons and never felt cramp, which is crazy to me because I've never finished a marathon without cramp. Well, I'd hit the wall well before, but you know, I hit the wall about four mile in in Brighton, and then like Amsterdam was about ten. So I, I don't know. I think I'd slowed right down before, you know, a lot of people will, will start feeling cramped, won't they, about, I don't know, 16 mile onwards. But yeah, I don't know if I was just fortunate those two times I did it. But I think it's no coincidence that Manchester, I felt it because I was moving a lot faster. And I remember yeah. thinking it on the day, like, I've never moved this quickly, like, for this amount of time. The wheels are going to fall off at some point. And I, I don't know. I don't think cramp is completely, you know, self-inflicted, but I was starting to think quite negatively during that Manchester run because I started to look at my watch and I started to notice the, the times were slightly slower. The splits were getting second by second, slower and slower. And um, yeah, that's one that's one thing maybe we can say for another podcast because that will be here all night talking about that, but about that mental belief that I, I've never been able to stay positive during anything over a 10k the whole way really even okay. the race we did together i was ready to call it quits at you know 11 12 miles it was too I, I, hard I, I did notice your your um demeanor change after about 10 miles during that race yeah i thought you were gonna say 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, conversations it's, rise up, doesn't it? And the the smiles turn into frowns, turn into grimaces, and yeah, uh, yeah I think the negativity comes in because it's hard. Oh, Running oh, is yes, hard, is. man, yeah, and it makes it really you is. question everything, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I I mean I've had dark times in races where everything's not going to plan and it just feels horrendous, and your head just wants to tell you to stop but generally yeah. um well since i've started taking it more serious when it gets difficult i always say come on you've worked hard enough or you've worked hard to get to this place nothing mm. should be stopping me from getting all the way to the finish i've never in a race thought i'm not going to finish this I'm always going to finish. I might end up running 
a lot slower than I want to, but I am always going to get to that finish line. If I cross that start line, I will cross that finish line no matter what. I like that because that's exactly why I turn up to races. I mean, maybe maybe it's a thing. Maybe the the closer to, a, I guess, an elite you become, the more you start to think, okay, my body could potentially fall to pieces here if I do an extra three miles at this effort. So I do get it. I do understand why people call it quits, you know, halfway through a marathon or whatever, because yeah. it's, it, to some people, it's just not worth it. But yeah, I'm with I, you I, on that. I, I was listening to a podcast uh, the other day um, and they were talking about um, trying to qualify for the Olympics marathon and trying to hit that qualifying time. And yeah. they were saying if it doesn't go to plan during their target marathon, they would call it a day so they're not putting that full stress of a full marathon race onto their body so they can then try and enter another one in a couple of weeks to try and yeah. get that time and give it another go, which I completely yeah. understand that. When you're at that level and you are going for those stupidly high times um, mm. where – you're trying to qualify for the Olympics and it possibly a once in a lifetime thing. I completely understand yeah. dropping out of a race, but when you're at our level, I'm not sure that just because it doesn't look good on Strava or your power of 10, I'm not sure it's <laughs> worth not finishing a race. Yeah. I just love medals. I'm like a magpie. I love shiny things. And I, 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 Oh, that's another question. Maybe we can ask our listeners. If you could choose one thing for the rest of your races, would it be a medal or a T-shirt or some sort of merch? What would you oh, What would you say? Yeah, uh, I prefer the medal. Um, number one, because it's it's something you can actually display properly, um, yeah. rather than it just going on a coat hanger in your cupboard or folded up into a box. And secondly. Um, and this, this is just me personally, but running a clothing printing company, um, I've got enough clothes. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. I've got more t-shirts than I can possibly ever use. So yeah, yeah, I don't really need more t-shirts. It's nice to have t-shirts. And when I first started doing races, I loved having a t-shirt at the end. But if there's a choice, which a lot of races have started doing now, saying, yeah. do you want a t-shirt if you do it's an extra i don't know 14 quid on top of the entry price which yeah. is which is mad to start off with because entry prices have got ridiculous but um yeah i would always go for the medal i think but i would as well preferably a um a metal one rather than a wooden one but wooden ones are just as nice but they're not are they more eco-friendly, apparently, aren't they? Yeah, see, I'm not sure I agree with that um, that yeah. reasoning behind it because uh, metal can be recycled, and wood has to be really burnt to 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 or incinerated to be disposed of completely. Yeah, yeah. but I did read somewhere that um, I can't remember who I was who I saw this was doing this. Um, but so, someone was um, asking for all those medals that you've got under your bed or in a shoebox, whatever, because they're going to 
give them a new lease of life to like junior races and things. So I think that's quite a good idea because I think mm. there are companies out there that can, I don't know how, but melt them down and then reform them somehow. And, um, you know, that, that, that is quite good. So I think, I think it might've been runner as in R U N R runner who were doing that. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I would what, choose a medal every time. Yeah. I was going to say, what would you choose out of the two? Hmm. Mainly because the technical tees they give out are crap most of the time. And the nipple chafe is yeah. horrific well, on most of them. It, it, that, that's, a, that's a strange one as well, what you say in that, because it's possible that you didn't experience the time of races when they didn't give you a technical T-shirt. The finishers' T-shirts really? were always just a standard cotton T-shirt and they were a cheap cotton T-shirt that was just screen-printed badly fruit but, of the loom yeah but they just weren't they weren't technical t-shirts so they weren't something you could use running um yeah. it was something to wear when you went to bed or something like that so yeah, the fact that they changed it to technical t-shirts was brilliant but yeah. Th there are a couple that i've had like i really like the chester one i got because that's a long sleeve so you do the race in october you're heading into six months of winter then. So that is genius marketing from um, Chester because you're going to reach for that top, like for yeah. a lot of, a lot of training sessions. Yeah. So, but and that's it quite will good. be that's on top good. and it will be on top. So all the logo and design will still be on display rather than give yeah. them giving you a t-shirt, which you're going to put underneath another top. Yeah. I, I think those smaller races, I don't know. I'm, I just feel like uptake is starting to dwindle a little bit on T-shirts. And if I was creating a race, I probably wouldn't even bother offering one. I mean, I understand why. Cause it's free advertising for several hundred, maybe thousands of people advertising your race whenever they're doing a run. But uh, yeah, I'm, um, I think there's probably other ways to land on people's, you know, land in front of people these days. You just spend just as much money on Facebook advertising if you're a business, couldn't you? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, the, so, well, the the world of Instagram is a uh, is an amazing place for advertising. Um, it's amazing yeah. how many people you can actually get to just through um, people yeah. sharing your content and stuff yeah. online. Yeah, um, well, we were gonna we were gonna talk today, weren't we, about um, training plans? Yes, a little bit. So, what was the um, Mainly because I can't remember what we're going to say about them. What 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 we're going to well, say about them? You you um, were saying about um, where do training plans come from and who writes our training plans and do we would we ever buy a training plan? That's that's yes. the big question. Would so my training plans come from um, a place called my little brain. Uh, and um, I genuinely last marathon block I sort of was winging it um, I mm. knew before I started I knew the maximum mileage I wanted to hit on my peak week um, and I knew sort of the style of training I wanted to do on a Sunday on my long runs where I was putting marathon pace into my long runs yeah. But the rest of it, I was making up as I went along. Even my Sunday uh, runs, what I actually did 
for the Sunday long run with those marathon pace blocks, I was deciding what I was going to do on the Saturday um, mm. before I went out on the Sunday. Um, yeah. The rest of my training, um, so Tuesdays and Thursdays every week, I go down to uh, B&R training uh, with uh, um, all the rest of the club uh, and our group. And Andy, who runs our training group, um, our coach, uh, who comes and runs with us, he always puts together a training plan of what we're doing each week and what uh, session we're going to do on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And I, I trust Andy. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he's a qualified coach. He knows what we should be doing to uh, improve our running. So I put my trust in him on a Tuesday and Thursday. So I do so, a couple so of miles. So if I'm a six-hour marathoner, can yeah. I turn up to these Tuesday and Thursday track sessions? You know, uh, does, does is it for you know as long as I'm in yeah. a club? I mean, yeah. yeah. So will, will there be something that yeah for everyone? So yeah. So in our group, we've got people of all abilities. We're so yeah. we've got um, at the moment we're out on the roads. Um, I haven't actually started training them, uh, training with them yet since my injury uh, i think i'm going to leave it till february before i start doing proper sessions uh, so i've yeah. just been joining them for a warm-up at the moment but just people of all abilities um and in the summer we'll do track sessions and stuff but it is all of the sessions are designed so you can run them at your own pace so right. you know what your effort pace is um okay. and uh, a lot of the time, if we do reps on like the track, for instance, um, we'll do, say there's, we're doing 800 meter reps. Um, Andy will say, right, you should be doing those 800 meter reps at your 5k pace. Or if we're doing 400 reps, try and do them at your 3k pace or something yep. like that. Um, so those paces are very different for each person that is running. So there'll be a group of us who are all running to this a similar pace. And then there'll be another group that are running to a similar pace. There'll be people who are doing it individually because their pace is completely different. Um, yeah. So yeah, the sessions are always tailored to um, everybody. So it's inclusive, no matter yeah. how fast you run, which I think is really good because we're, running as a as a team uh, as as Bromsgrove and Redditch Athletic Club um so it's great to be running with people um yeah. and you don't necessarily have to be the same pace or the same ability to be part of the team yeah that's really good because I imagine that feeling because I'm not in a club but I imagine that feeling of camaraderie and that feeling of togetherness is it, yeah, it's, it's a it's amazing joining a club has changed my running completely um i i have improved as a runner tenfold since joining the club really it's it's crazy yeah no, number one because of the training sessions i actually have learned quite a lot about what you should be doing and how um different sessions can improve uh, like your speed and your effort and your endurance, but also running with people. 
running was always like back when I first started and then when I started again during COVID, running was always a solo thing. I went out to run so I could have some time on my own, just let my mind wander um, and mm. just have some me time. But it's amazing how much running with people changes your perspective on running. And yeah. I now go out for runs with people all the time. And number one, the time goes stupidly fast. So like you can go yeah. out for a long run with people on a Sunday and you won't realize how far you've gone because you're too busy chatting to everybody that you're running with. Um, mm. But also it just feels easier because you are around people. You've not got that solo slog where you're constantly thinking about, oh man, this is feeling difficult and looking at your watch constantly. Yeah. 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 It's, um, tr I think like the club, I imagine, by the way, I didn't ask you about uh, cross country. Oh, How yeah. How did it go last week? Man, Are you still top of the league? B and R are still top of the league. Yes, we actually um, managed to clean sweep the um, uh, race three on uh, Saturday. So that Amazing. was pretty cool. So our A team came first in the A team results. Our B team, which I actually managed to score in, which I was quite pleased about that. Uh, we managed to get uh, first place in the B team. And then our Masters A team, so everybody over 40, uh, we came first in the A team and the Masters B team came first in the Masters B teams. So we had a so quick, this, clean was, sweep across the board. Was it a home fixture as well? Yeah, it was, so it was at Redditch. So, yeah, oh, it was that, wicked. That must but, have been uh, brilliant. Oh, it, yeah, it was ace. Uh, yeah, the team turned out, which was brilliant. We had uh, loads of people running. Um, uh, one of our lads actually won the race as well. Um, a lad called Alex Adams, he won the race, which wow. is amazing to do it at a home fixture. Um, yeah. And I think our top, our top five runners were in the top fifteen. So they ran really, That's really well. Serious then. That's yeah. amazing. So maybe because, um, like, I was going to say because there will be a lot of people listening who, like me have never done cross country or just can't do it because, you know, we're not in a club or whatever. Do you know, last time I did cross country, I was in year six, did cross country and was coming last. It was after school and all the clubs, you know, from Droitwich and Witten and some Redditch clubs came. I was coming last at, um, it was a cold February day. I faked a asthma attack. I was like, I can't handle it. What second lap? I was like, you dropped this. out. Yeah, I was like, oh, my ass was really bad. Can you call me mom? So I had to go away. I was like, there's nothing wrong with me, but I just couldn't handle it. So um, yeah, that was, was my, that, I was my DNF. And was that just because you were coming last and you didn't want to come last? Exactly the shame, the shame of of coming last. I couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it on the playground. But when you're a like a war hero and you know you nearly died because it was an asthma attack. You know, you, you looked at a little bit like a hero on the playground. So brilliant. Yeah. And and now you're broadcasting it to the world so everybody knows. <laughs> the time is a coward. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. But no, the last time I did cross country was then. But like if you could so with your marathon training 
block. How does cross-country fit into it? Because is it a completely different way of running? I imagine it is. You've oh, got a different yeah. kit for starters. Yeah, it is a completely different way of running. Um, one of the things which is brilliant about cross-country is pace goes out the window. It's nothing to do with pace because you could run the same cross-country course two days in a row and it would be completely different race. So even okay. if you put the same effort in, your times and your paces are going to be completely different just depending yeah. on the ground and how it is. So you don't have to worry about pace. It's more about effort and yeah. positioning. So you constantly, I know I said last week that you're not racing people, but whilst you're doing cross country, you are trying to put in a race effort and trying to catch and pick off those other clubs and try and make up as many places as you can. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I'm constantly during the race, just thinking, right, how close is that next person in front of me? Let's catch them. And then once we're past them, can I catch the next person and try not to lose any places and have any people take over you? So but, are um, your strengths and weaknesses as a runner, the same strengths and weaknesses in cross country? Like if you're good at hills on a road, you know, can you sort of rely on yourself to, um, I one would of your strengths? Say, yeah, I would say, I would say, yes, if, if you are, if you're good on the hills on the road, it will, help you in cross country but it won't necessarily make you faster at cross country okay. um yeah. there are a lot of people who are much faster than me on the track or on the road who i could possibly run faster than in cross country because mm. my endurance over the long distances is better so there are yeah. people who are very fast over short distances who struggle on cross country because it's a completely different way of running. Number one, yeah. it's 10K. So it's a decent long distance to start off with. But secondly, it's not the same surface. The, I, I guess you know this from the difference between trail running and road running. The surface just changes the way that you run and the way you're able to run. Yeah. Um but with cross country, when it gets muddy and then you throw hills in uh, along with that, or you throw in a stream crossing where you're running through water and you yeah. don't quite know what's underneath your feet. Um, yeah. All, all the gets... best with your five minute mile in through that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So like um, I, I would say you've got to be strong to run cross country you've got to have that endurance and you've got to have that yeah. cardio fitness um right it, and i think having that longer distance training does really help um yeah because the mud on saturday was oh man it was brutal uh yeah. were, when i first got down there i was like oh it's not as bad as it was last year because last year there were some big huge puddles they were like small lakes of water uh, on the fields uh, and this year there wasn't it wasn't that bad and i thought oh mm. conditions will be better it'll be nicer to run in as soon as all the runners started running through the fields it just got boggy yeah and there were points where there was mud up to halfway up your calf in places 
Um, yeah. And it's just proper energy sapping trying to run yeah. through it. Um, but And it's almost always on a Saturday, right? Yes. Yeah, so cross-country league is pretty much always on a Saturday. So on a um, Sunday in April or in March, you've got to do a 20-mile long run after that? Well, the, the cross-country season finishes in February. Right. So, um, so the last cross-country that I will race this year will be uh, the Nationals, which is at, where's it at this year? It is where, where they do the V Festival. Where's that? Um, Western. Western Park, yeah, uh, in Shropshire. So the Nationals is there this year because it's the Midlands cool. turn to um, host it. Um, yeah. And that's on the 24th of Feb on the Saturday. Uh, yeah. So that will be the last cross country that I do this year. And then it will be focus on marathon training properly. That sounds like it will be. I can just visualize the start of it. You know, that scene at the Lion King, you know, the stampede. I can just visualize, you know, I would be Mufasa. And I would be probably gone arse over tit within 10 <laughs> seconds and I'd be getting trampled on from all yeah. those runners. And I, do, do, you, do you ever get spiked? You must get someone oh, standing on your toe because those lugs, I, that, not I, lugs, I, those spikes. I've never been spiked myself, but I have seen people who have been spiked. And yeah, it can be quite yeah. nasty because they are, yeah. I mean, I went down on Saturday and I had 15 mil spikes in. I did change to 12s because the conditions were a bit better than I thought, but 12 mil spikes are pretty deadly. Um, if you're yeah. Yeah, going to get hit with them. Uh, I know people who have accidentally spiked themselves as well by tripping over things or just getting stuck in the mud and well, spiking themselves in the leg. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, oh God, that sounds, that sounds horrible. But as you said, the, like the start of nationals is crazy. It's, it's like going into battle. So, do you know, like in, um, Oh, Braveheart. Hold. Hold. <laughs> yeah, where they storm. It's it's like that. The gun goes and it, like people um, down the other end of the start straight said as soon as the gun went and we started running, you could feel the ground moving <laughs> because there's that wow. many people pounding the floor. It's, and is, does, it, it's does everyone crazy. go all off together or is it is there a women's race and a men's and there is a women's race so there's there's junior races uh, yeah. uh and there's age group races up to i think i think they go up to under 20s um or under 23s i think possibly um yeah. but a lot of the time i think in the nationals here we have under 17s is the oldest one and then 18s and older going to the seniors races. Yeah. So the yeah. separate women's and men's races. So there's all the junior races, but the senior men's is all club runners, 18 and over. Um, so you oh. get a massive wide range again of abilities. So as I was saying, like club members, when we're doing sessions, there's a range of abilities in the cross countries as well. There's people who yeah. are running I think the winners on Saturday, I think they did it in about 33 minutes, something like that. And the 10K the last... cross country. I know, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I couldn't even but... drive that. That's ridiculous. But then there's guys at the back. So I think the guy who finished last 
did it in uh, like just over an hour. I know how he feels. He should have had an uh, asthma attack. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, there's a huge range of abilities running. Yeah. Um, so it's it's brilliant. But yeah, at that nationals, it's mad because it is so many people running at the same time and all setting and I, off at the same time. But also you're jostling for position, not just for placing, but literally for oxygen, you know, just mm -hmm. to get daylight between you and the person next to you. Because I imagine you've got for the first half a mile, well, what do I know? Maybe 5K? I don't know. You've probably got people all around you, haven't you? You know, until yeah. it start, the field starts to thin out. Yeah. Um, and any hesitation there could cause could cause an absolute chaotic oh, start. Hundred percent. And at last year's nationals, um, it proper funneled at the end of the start straight. So oh, you had a huge wide field of people all aiming for a course that was probably a quarter of the width of the start oh, line. God. So you've got everybody charging for this point, and when it funneled. It was quite hairy. There were there were yeah. people dropping to the floor. Um, I yeah. fully had to like put my hands out in front of me and uh, like hold myself up against the person in front because people behind me were pushing me. Um, That's it, crazy. Yeah, it, was, it was mad. Yeah, but great fun. I, yeah. it, I don't know how we ended up talking about cross country. By the way, I know. I, know. I, uh... I, I I fully love cross country. It's great, and I wouldn't miss it now. I'm, I'm gutted that I missed three cross country races this year because of my injury, and I'm absolutely gutted about it because I, I love racing them. Do you think it aids? Do you think it really helps your marathon training? I think so, uh, in the fact that it gives you that uh, endurance and strength training. Yeah. So, like, yeah. If you were just running on the road, you'd go and run some hills and do some hill reps mm. or go and do a hilly route to build your strength yeah. over the thing. Go and run through a muddy field where it, the every step takes twice as much effort as it does on yeah. the road. And you'll, yeah. you'll build up some strength and some uh, endurance through that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it does sound fun. And is Nationals an open thing or is that just for club runners? It's just for club runners, so it's it's right. anybody who's in a a, a a UK athletics registered club. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's the ones that we run in are the English nationals. So there are separate Scottish and Welsh and Northern Irish um, nationals as well, but uh, as yeah. is the English one. So it's all clubs from England, <clears throat> but yeah. The, there's a huge amount of clubs and a huge amount of runners that do it. Have you yeah. ever thought about joining a club? Yeah. Yeah. I think about it very often, but I always bottle it. I always um, find a reason not to. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I think I'm similar to you with, um, uh, I love running on my own, but now since, since Parkrun really, so, so it's been a couple of years, I've really started to enjoy running with others. And yeah, I think it's going to be time. I think 2024 is the year for me to join. I won't I won't speculate <laughs> who I'm thinking of joining, but um yeah, I think I think so because yeah, things like cross country, I would like it just sort of opens doors for you, I bet, doesn't it? 
And, yeah, um, yeah. Well, you, you you enter races that you would never have entered if you weren't a club runner, because there are so many uh, yeah. races and things that are only open to uh, UK athletics registered runners. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely in my thoughts, and I really like the idea of of track sessions because to this day, I've only ever run two track sessions. I think one was Dudley Park Run. <laughs> which is 600 meters of track either side of a, a trail start and finish and the Amsterdam marathon where you do the yeah, first 200 and then you do the last 200. So yeah. they're the only track sessions I've ever, ever done. And um, I need to get you down, don't I? And we'll do a track session together and put you through yeah, your pace. I, would, I think, yeah, I would really quite enjoy that. I think, because I know, I think I'd change my mindset a little bit. And, um, but speaking of park run, as I know we haven't really spoke about it. I li literally mentioned it once. I just, cause I'm, I'm aware of the time. And once again, we said we'd do a 20 minute podcast and here we are 55 minutes in. Um, I've got a little um, quiz for you. <laughs> what should we so call it? Last week we ended on a piece of trivia and this time you've actually prepared a quiz. Yes. So we should call this something like Brett's podcast. Parkrun quiz. So all these questions, we could have the who wants to be a millionaire. <laughs> we should mix that in. I've got I've got five parkrun questions for you. So see how you do. Right. Okay. This is a two-parter. What is the first and last uh, parkrun in the UK alphabetically? Oh, you just a heads uh, up. You probably won't get. You probably won't get the first one. A Aberdeen. Well, that's close. That I think that's third or fourth. It was. It was a place called Aberbeeg, which is in oh. South Wales, but it's now been trumped by Abbey Park in Leicester, which has oh. done thirty-seven park runs. But the the last one, I think you can get it. I think you can get it. Process it of a, elimination. Is it a Z? No, there's only one Z. And I think that's in uh, Poland. And there's no X either in the world anywhere. So it's got to be a Y. So York. Bingo. Got it. Yes. Okay. I will accept an answer within... 10 seconds here. Okay. If you don't know the exact thing. What is the male world record parkrun time? Ah, this is Andy Butchart. Correct, Amundo. Um, and he took it from, um, oh, come on, Brett, what's his name? Uh, the guy who runs Hello. the running channel. Fellow Baldy, yeah. Um, what, what, what is his name? Andy Badley. That's it, Andy Badley, yes. So he used to have it. He had it for years. And Andy Butchart, although I'm going to say Andy Butchart is a little bit cheaty because he what? had pacers. He had pacers dotted around <gasps> the course who dropped out and came in to help pace him throughout the race. Well, I say what? race, throughout the parkrun. Whoa, scandal. You heard it here first. It doesn't yeah. count. And so, um, but it's 
Uh, ooh, it's got to be. We'll I get him remember. on next week for an apology yeah. video. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's got to be um, 15, summer, 15, 20. 13, 45. And yeah. that was at Silvernose Parkrun in Edinburgh last year. Yeah, it was June, up in Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that was his. His parkrun debut as well. He'd never run parkrun before. That's my my first one. I did it in twenty six minutes, I think. So you know, yeah. Cheers, uh, cheers, Andy. Um, <laughs> what, and so, what's the female parkrun world record? Oh yes, uh, this has been broken about four or five times this year. Most um, recently, December twenty twenty three. Yes, um, in Ireland, in Belfast. So if the men's is 13 something, it's got to be 14, I'm going to say 14, 40. No, too quick. It's 15, 13. And that was by Kira McGeehan. Yes, it was. Um, Pretty sure she's um, she she's an Irish runner. I think she did well at the European champs in Budapest, I think. I think she did quite well in, in 1500, maybe, or something like that. Okay, next one. That that was terrible by me, anyway. That was terrible guessing. Oh, I, guess, I guess 15 something for the bloke, and then 14 <laughs> something for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say that out. It's fine. Yeah. Um, if you swap them around, you're not too far off. Um, exactly. Okay, what is the global average finish time of park run? I will accept the closest minute to the closest minute. Are we talking park run and park walk or just park run? But I suppose Don't it all know, goes mate. into just Googled it. All, all, all goes into the same uh, what's called results yeah. anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Average. It's got to be average finish time, I would say 45. Because of of all the people walking it is going to bring it down. So, but by by the way you've just said that, I'm going to change my answer. (laughs) I can only accept your first answer. If you thought your first, if you thought that your um, 5K world records were a shocker, the answer is 29 minutes and 13 seconds. Wow, that's amazing. That's the average... Finish time of parkrun. Yeah. What since records began or, as well? What what of all time all parkruns ever? Yeah. I mean, wow. I, I did just Google this, but I'm pretty sure that's what it says in the parkrun website. So if you go on parkrun home, yeah, parkrun. Did I say parkrun? <laughs> am I from? Am that's I from you... Nottingham? Am I? I'm from parkrun. <laughs> all right, no, my duck. If you go on parkrun, you go and have a bacon bap afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's afterwards. Yeah. Um, if you go on the, the website and scroll down to the bottom, it says all the world records, which brings me on to my next one. Question four, the highest ever age graded performance. Just quickly, how would you sum up age grading for anyone that doesn't know? I haven't got a clue myself, to be honest, but I think it is how um, quick your time is um, across all of the 
times registered in your age group. So, yeah, so it's the high, so it higher you your level, percentage, the quicker you are in your age group. Yeah, it gives you like a level, a level playing field against people that are really fast, basically. Um, what is the highest ever age graded performance? Oh, no, sorry. Let me re, re, re uh, phrase this. The highest ever age graded performance was in 2012 by Forger Singh. He finished in 38 minutes and 34 seconds with an age-graded score of 179%. But how old was he at the time of the run? Hang on. He run sub-40 minutes. 38-34. Yeah. So and his age-grade score was 179. was 179%. So let me just put this into context. So he's right? got if to I, be... I was going to say, if to... I smash a park run, yeah. like, and I do it in 20... 21 minutes, 20 and a half minutes, 20 minutes, 30. For me, that's really, that's, that's smashing it. That puts me at about 65 or 70% yeah. age group. So I think he my has highest, gone... My highest age grading, I think, was 80%. Yeah. I think he's my highest ever. So he's gone 179%. He's got to be in so his 70s he? then. He's got to be in his 70s. 70, What's your final, final answer? 75 I've got something I prepared earlier. Hang on, just hold, bear with me. Just chat amongst yourselves. Um, sorry, just hit the microphone in uh, in my haste. Okay. Forger Singh, born April the first, nineteen eleven, is a Sikh marathon runner who is now over a hundred. He is originally from India, but has lived in the UK since 1992. He's a world record holder in his age bracket in various sporting categories. He's Britain's most popular Sikh in his hundreds. He has set various marathon records over his over the 90s and over his hundreds, over 90s and over hundreds category. 2004, he was featured in advertising campaign for Adidas. Um, 2000, and he since holds eight world records. And also his date of birth, because he was born in India, I think, has never, ever been clarified. So he, even he doesn't know how officially old he is. <laughs> and he's actually done a – he doesn't speak English, this guy. And he's, he's even done – I think he still lives in England. He's still alive, I think. And I think he's even done a few part runs up in Birmingham. And it says here – he's got a few quotes here um, – uh, Mostly elderly people in Britain eat a rich diet, don't move about a lot and travel in cars. And that makes him sick, he says. He wasn't prepared to go the same way. So he took up jogging to be initially beating the boredom of sitting at home. This is in his 70s or 80s. I never thought of running a marathon then, but slowly it grew. I'm careful about different foods. My diet is simple. Simple fulka, chapati, dal, lentils, green vegetables, yogurt and milk. I don't touch parathas, pakoras, rice or any other fried food. I take lots of water and tea with ginger. The geezer is about 110 and he's still say, running if, 5Ks. If he, was, if he was born in 1911 and it's 2024, he's 113. He did that um, race on the 31st, uh, that park run on the 31st of March uh, in 2012. And it says here that his unofficial date of birth is the 1st of April, 1911, which would have made him a hundred years old on the day of running that park run. That's mad. 
And he did it in 38, 34. I know. Yeah, he did it in sub 40 minutes. That's crazy, isn't it? That's so, so good. What a man. Let's get him on the pod. Let's get him on. <laughs> um, right. Last question. Um, the highest number of attendees last week on the 13th of January was Bushy Park, 1,495 yes. people. But how many people attended the fewest, which was open access b- before you say? So apparently there's one in like a prison, yeah. which only one well, person goes to. E- ever. No, this was just last That's week. So th- this wasn't week. the record. Yeah. Um, two. Two runners. That would have been good. But unfortunately, the answer is 13. And that was at Hafan Pulthweli, which is in North Wales. And it's had 148 events. And it averages 48, 47 finishes a week. So I don't know where the other 30-odd were. Maybe they're just too cold for them. Can you imagine that? Lining up on a start line at Parkrun and there only being 13 people, 12 13 people. So this could be a regular feature or maybe I'll do one a month or something of Brett's Parkrun podcast <laughs> quiz challenge. So, yeah, yeah there and, you go. We've all learned be, something. And I'll be terrible every single time. <laughs> oh, you can't be a guess the question, can you? And they're like miles out. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least give me a chance. Um, I think so. make, make, it, make it an A or B question. Yeah, which Redditch-based parkrun? <laughs> You'll know that one. Yeah. Right. So um, I think we possibly need to uh, leave the rest of the training plans chat until our next episode because I've just looked at our recording time. Yeah, sorry, guys. My and bad. Uh, we are now at 100. And, 100? Uh, an hour and nearly nine minutes. So, yeah, yeah. we probably need to uh, end this one, don't we, and uh, save the rest for next time. Yeah. So well, that was good, though. Quite enjoyed yeah. just, just just chatting a bit of running yeah, chat. Good fun. Quite enjoyed that. As, as lots of people have uh, said, us runners could talk all night, couldn't we? If, if we Until didn't we actually tonight. have that recording time in the top corner. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we yeah. would even realize we'd been here for an hour, so yeah, but amazing, nice one, dude. Um, I enjoyed that, and um, thank you very much to all of you who have tuned in, who whether you're watching or whether you are just listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and um, yeah, we will see you on the next one. We'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks for thanks for thanks for listening guys and yeah, catch you next next episode. Yeah. Nice one guys. Cheers. Bye.